You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. On Tuesday morning in South Africa, there was a vote by distilled shareholders about corporate activity, a bit of corporate activity initiated by the global drinks and beer giant Heineken based in the Netherlands. With me now is Rob Forsyth, investment specialist at 91 in Cape Town. The vote has concluded, Rob. How did it go? Well, clearly we disappointed because the vote sailed through. I mean, there was only about a 6% just under a negative vote against the scheme. And, you know, we disappointed because this is a high quality asset that we thought was moving in all the right directions that we would be perfectly happy to hold on behalf of our investors at 180 Rand. Exactly. 91 has, on behalf of its investors, 4% of the company. So only another 2% voted. Or is that not the way it worked? But anyway, a very small minority said, yes, we do want it. Why do you think they're wrong? Well, I think it obviously depends on the structure of the, the shareholder votes. And I mean, there are a lot of people that would have looked at the original deal and said, well, this is a fait accompli. Because if you look at the, the shareholding structure with Remgro and its super voting rights, and the PIC, they basically had a 75% vote. So it's not surprising the vote went through. So they would have sold their shares. And then the new shareholders would have been, let's say, arbitrage risk desks that what they attempt to do is to make a quick turn out of out of the price that they know they're going to get of 180 rand cash if they if they so choose to take that cash. This is my view and not 91's, but that sounds really, really convoluted and actually very sad that people looking to make a quick turn on a company that's been on the JSC for decades and actually is a, a long-term prospect given some of the fundamentals we'll talk about later. I find that quite sad. We we find it something definitely to shed a tear about, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, it's it's a great asset. Yes, it's going to become an even better asset when you put it together with Heineken's operations. But for the poor average saver in the South African market who does their savings through a pension fund or a unit trust, you know, it's highly, it's very, very difficult to be able to access this investment if well nigh impossible. So the structure of, of the deal um, really highlights the plight of the average South African investor. The offer of 180 rand per share comes at a 35% premium to the average trading price in April, May 2021, the month before the first cautionary announcement was made. And this is you being quoted in a South African publication. And then you go on to say something that I don't know how relevant it is, but certainly it's um, worthy of note. It says here, the peer group is diverse, but the median listed price to earnings multiple to June of a global peer group is a fraction under eight, uh, 25 times. At 180 rand a share, Distel is arguably in a PE range of 18 to 20 times. Now, Rob, you know you can't compare Distel to AB InBev or to Diageo, can you? But I, I do see the point you're making. Maybe expand upon it. Um, so, I mean, if you look at a, a wide basket of different beverage stocks, I mean, that would include Nigerian breweries, Tanzanian breweries, East African breweries, Emperador, which is, you know, the largest brandy manufacturer in the Philippines, a number of Chilean wine producer. If you take a whole range of different stocks, you know, Distel definitely comes out on the cheap side. And as well as the fact, if you look at the history of beverage transactions over the last 12 years, now, this is not an insignificant amount of transactions. There's over a 1,000 transactions representing $320 billion worth of deals. And you look at the average multiples on those deals, it's not even in the ballpark in terms of where previous beverage deals have been done. So, 
you know, our view is that we would we would be very happy holders of Distel in its current format at 180 rand a share. So we do not feel as though we've been offered anything extra to go into a unlisted venture which then subjugates our rights and lowers our liquidity. And the other thing is, of course, changing trends, because you make the point that beer is not on the slide, but certainly it's not on a growth path, whereas cider and other types of drinks are being embraced and and therefore distill, whether it be by accident or by design, are ahead of the curve, if you like. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, obviously we look at trends around the world and you can't necessarily say what happens in the USA follows, but, you know, European trends are following some of the US trends, which are also being starting to be global trends. And that is essentially that, you know, spirits and wine are doing better compared to beer. The alcohol market is fragmenting in the types of beverages you can consume. So, you know, it might even have CBD extracts or hard seltzers. But essentially, the alternative beverage market is growing very quickly. And Distel is brilliantly positioned for that in the South African context, because legally, they're the only people that can actually make beverages from different alcohol extracts. And they've got the production flexibility to be able to do that. Whereas you've seen how well the business has done over a very, very tough trading period. And that's because they've got local scale in production. I mean, they compete against someone like Diageo in the spirits world, who don't really manufacture much in South Africa and have had to import a lot of their stock. And as a result, I mean, Distel has been one of the best performing consumer businesses in South Africa over the last two years, despite curtailment of their trading operations through the alcohol lockdown. So, you know, mm. kudos to them. They've done a fantastic job. And, you know, we think they're just gaining gaining their strides. And, uh, and, and now we're unfortunately having the, this great asset, which is no longer an opportunity for our investors. But you can stay with it, can't you, on a private level? I mean, the fact that it's not publicly traded anymore, it's not a JSC Securities Exchange listing, you can still have it, can't you? No, not really, because, I mean, if you look at the unit trust regulations, where the bulk of the assets are, are held, I mean, you have to have daily liquidity, you have to have the asset daily valued. It's quite problematical in terms of being able to, to hold this asset. So, you know, from that perspective, it's not easy, and you need to have a promise of liquidity. And in terms of the bulk of the assets that basically go into the new co-structure, if you want to sell any shares, you actually have to have it approved by each director of each significant shareholder, which is a serious impringement on your rights. Okay. Before we get on to a slightly broader subject, as we conclude this uh, chat, you say here, Heineken, for the pleasure of contributing around 35% of gross revenue, will garner 65% of the shareholding, you say, in this article. In addition... Yes, I mean, that... Yeah, go on. Okay. Well, I was going to say, oh, perhaps that's a little naughty in that, I mean, they are contributing cash as well. Yeah. But essentially, I mean, in terms of the circular, Heineken is contributing its assets on a 2019 valuation of 18, over 18 times EV to EBITDA. If you put those same multiple on the Distel assets, it's 260 rand a share. Hmm. So for some reason, basically, people are willing to accept a much higher valuation on Distel's, I mean, on, on Heineken's assets than Distel's assets. And as a result, putting in 35% of the revenue and some cash, if you work it out, it's it's kind of slightly less than half of the total value of the company, but they're actually getting, you know, a 65% share where they will get the bulk of the cost savings synergies and actually control the company. So it's our assertion that we're not really being offered a control premium. 
In addition, you go on to say the Heineken business operates at inferior levels of profitability to distill and will contribute less, hold more, and then benefit from the outlined 1.5 billion rand cost savings. That hardly seems fair, and that's a, a direct quote from you. Let's look at this. Obviously, it's not sour grapes, but certainly what I don't quite understand is why you are the lone voice in this regard, apart from a, another couple of percent. But surely other people must have seen this. And before we get on to, to the broader aspect of this conversation, why didn't other people have the same view as you, Rob? Look, I mean, I suppose that's difficult for me to comment. You'd have to ask them. And, you know, the shareholder base of the Stell has been quite diverse and there's been quite a lot of turnover in the shareholder base, I would suspect, since the original deal was announced. So it's very difficult to me, but I mean, we've got a fiduciary duty towards our clients to try and protect and grow their savings as best we can. And, you know, we think from our perspective, we certainly feel as though, once again, to reiterate, we would be wonderfully happy to hold the Stell shares at 180. And now we're getting forced into potentially an unlisted structure, which is very difficult for our shareholders to countenance. And we don't think 180 rand is the right price. There's a double-edged sword to the question, or rather the point I'm about to make. Companies overseas are coming for South African companies. They like the value. They like the Africa story. They like the fact that they've got lots of money on their balance sheets and they need something to do with it in emerging markets. That's the good thing because money comes into South Africa, uh, jobs are created or maintained, and so it goes on. But on the other hand, from your point of view, with the Distel example, maybe you're not getting your just desserts and maybe the ever-shrinking JSC universe will continue to shrink. Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely interesting if you look at the JSC. I mean, what you want is diversified exposure and, uh, and hopefully a, an abundance of high-quality assets. And we would definitely think Distel falls into that camp. But we've seen sort of a slow hollowing out of the JSC as some of our better companies have been bought by internationals. Some of them have remained listed here and some of them have not. You know, even if you look at the latest BHP deal, you know, we're not going to get Woodside listed on the JSE. So we will lose part of that energy exposure and not get exposure to that. That's a bit disappointing. But at the same time, we find it slightly ironic that the wheel does turn. I mean, we lamented, let's say, the backdrop where we lost a lot of the Coke bottling infrastructure in South Africa. What ironically, that may be coming back to the marketplace you know, in the next little period, once Coca-Cola has consolidated all these assets and made it a better company, and ironically, they will probably be selling it at a higher multiple than Heineken is looking to delist the Stell. So, you know, the wheel turns over a period of time, but unfortunately, we seem to be on the losing end of that wheel at this point in time. Rob, great analysis. Thanks so much. That's Rob Forsyth, who's an investment specialist at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.